We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were given to the average American, the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once it's in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So let's supercharge your wealth building plan now with Jim McAleese. And welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese. Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated. Where securities and investment advisory services are offered to Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic, and Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning and welcome to a beautiful day full of sunshine and temperatures rising into the 40s. This is a reminder that we're about halfway through the winter, with spring starting on March 20th. Can we hang in there for another five or six weeks? I'll bet you we can. And this will be a great weekend for football fans with the Super Bowl on Sunday. It should be a great game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs with the kickoff time at uh, 6.30 p.m., and here's hoping we don't run out of snacks and beer. And if that is not exciting enough, we'll have a, a chance to score more points on Valentine's Day on Tuesday so that those who planned ahead are ready for that special day and those who didn't will be scrambling. And while we're relaxing this weekend or whatever, we should start talking and thinking about our financial futures. Maybe we should beef up our savings plan or better define our financial goals or define how we're going to afford those things. You know, in the the past two weeks, the market 
has had a lot to digest in terms of what the future holds. You know, since the start of the year, investors have been using a playbook from the Federal Reserve's Federal Open Market Committee meeting in mid-December. There they outlined that markets expected that the Federal Reserve would increase the federal funds rate by a quarter of a percent at the January 31st, February 1st uh, Federal Open Market Committee meeting, which they did. And then uh, they raised it another quarter of a percent or maybe even a half a percent at the March 21st and 22nd Federal Open Market Committee meeting. And somehow they'll get to somewhere around uh, the federal funds rate between five and five and a quarter percent. You know, after that, uh, according to the December minutes, uh, the, the Federal Reserve would stop raising interest rates and pause. Uh, the Federal Reserve would pause because there is a lag some of sometimes months between uh, when the Federal Reserve uh, takes an action and when the economy reacts to that. So the Federal Reserve has been criticized in the past uh removing interest rates up too fast and basically so fast that it's hard to, it's impossible to assess what the impact is before they make their next move. And as you know, I'm talking about the times when they, they jacked up the interest rates three quarters of a percent uh, each uh, uh, federal open market committee meeting they had. But so far this year, the stock market has been wishing for a federal reserve, uh, uh, pivot rather than a pause. The Federal Reserve says they're going to pause and then they're going to hold it there for a, an extended period of time to see uh, how the rea- the economy reacts and how inflation reacts to what they've done. And a pivot, on the other hand, would involve the Federal Reserve cutting rates rather than pausing or increasing rates. So, uh, this week, markets seem to be digesting uh, the previous uh, uh, week's news, which included the Federal Reserve's one quarter of a percent increase. That was at the Federal Open Market Committee meeting on Wednesday, February 1st, and a surprisingly strong jobs report uh, that followed that on uh, Friday. So, uh, for a Wall Street Journal article, some investors said, uh, this week that the February 3rd jobs report raised the possibility that the that a tightening and higher interest rates could last longer than they had hoped for. And, uh, you know, and uh, in the uh, United States, according to the jobs report, the U.S. added 517,000 jobs last month. That was far more than the analysts were expecting, almost three times as much. And the unemployment rate was at this uh, extremely low number of 3.4%, and that's the lowest it's been since uh, 1970. A strong jobs report is generally good news, but a robust jobs market might encourage, it probably will encourage the Fed to raise rates higher for longer basically to curb the economy and get that inflation down. Federal Reserve uh, Chairman Jerome Powell said that this said this past Tuesday 
that the process of lowering inflation to the central bank's goal of 2% is, quote, likely to take quite a bit of time, unquote. And there are concerns that the January uh, stock market, uh, uh, you know, may have, uh, maybe in large part, because investors were expecting the Fed to end its campaign to raise interest rates and eventually lower them. This week's moves uh, signals investors' doubts that the Federal Reserve can reduce the inflation without slowing the economy down even more. Uh, for instance, uh, this week, and there was another voice that seconded the uh, Federal Reserve's call for higher interest rates for a longer period of time, and uh, former Secretary, uh, former Treasury Secretary Lawrence Summers uh, warned that complacency is uh, settling into financial markets about inflation and that the Federal Reserve may need to tighten further uh, than what, in what investors are currently expecting. According to Bloomberg's Wall Street Journal, Wall Street Week, uh, Larry Summers said, we're heading into what's likely to be a turbulent period. I'm not sure we're on the trajectory that's going to get us to 2% inflation without more interest rate increases than the market is now anticipating. That's quote unquote from Larry Summers. And Summers continued on and said, quote, consensus has been substantially too complacent about inflation. Uh, the, the rate of price increases is still at levels that would have been unimaginable for inflation two years ago. He also voiced confidence in the Fed's recognition that the job uh, isn't yet done and the outlook is substantially uncertain. Policymakers, he was happy that policymakers are, quote, determined to do what is necessary, unquote. So, so far, the consumer price index, uh, the last one we saw was for uh, December, and that showed that inflation had, uh, uh, the increase in inflation had gone down to 6.5%, and uh, that's a long way down from the 9.1% inflation that we saw in June. Next week, the government will replace, at least the uh, January uh, CPI number, uh, which economists expect to see uh, inflation at 6.2% for a year-over-year uh, -year or 12-month basis. They also expect the monthly gain uh, to be about uh, one half of one percent, which is way above the, the kind of pace necessary or consistent with, uh, with the two percent uh, inflation. So uh, you can't have two percent inflation when you're increasing the uh, prices at half a percent per month. All you got to do is multiply half a percent times twelve, and you got six percent, not two percent. So. Uh, People will be looking at those numbers Tuesday to see how much inflation has gone down. Hopefully, it has gone down some significant amount. So, uh, what we're seeing is that the global equities this week uh, were mostly negative for the week. In the U.S., the three major stock indices, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the Standard & Poor, 
500 in the NASDAQ composite rolled down for the week, while in the UK, the FTSE 100 was down, and in the European Union, both Germany's DAX and the stock Europe 600 were both down for the week. But in Asia, Japan's Nikkei 225 was up for the week, while in China, the Shanghai Composite was up for the week, and Hong Kong's Hang Seng was down for the week. So on Friday, the three major U.S. stock indices closed the week at uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, closed at 33,869.27. So it was basically down uh, 0.17% for the week and up 2.18% since January 1st. Now, the Standard and Poor 500 closed at 4,090.46, so it was down 1.11% for the week, but up 6.54% year-to-date. And for the NASDAQ Composite, it closed at 11,718.12, and that was down 2.41% for the week, but up 11.96% year to date. So basically, if you, you know, while well, well investors mull over the question about inflation and pivots and pauses and uh, about what will inflation get down, when will it get down, and how will it get down to 2 or 3%, data from the factory floor shows that the manufacturing sector is weakening. You know, uh, we'll talk about different uh, reports and the manufacturing sector is weakening, except for commercial aircraft. Uh, The thing that saved them this week was that Boeing got it, according to uh, the information in in, uh, December, Boeing got a huge order, basically doubled their order for commercial aircraft. And also... The service sector is basically on the borderline between contraction and expansion, uh, depending upon what is actually the details of of uh, what's happening in the service sector. We all know that in the service sector, uh, big uh, hiring is going on in the restaurants, in the in the uh, fast foods, in the, um, you know entertainment and uh, um, travel and, and uh, things of this nature, hotels and, and motels and stuff like this. Uh, people are letting off the steam after being cooped up with the COVID. So uh, things are getting back to normal in that particular area. And that showed up in the jobs report where the biggest uh, number of additional workers ended up in the uh, uh, the uh, uh, that part of the service industry that uh, has uh, restaurants and drinking places and hotels and accommodations and things of this nature and travel. So if we take a look at the reports, we we see uh, it came out this week, the uh, uh, factory orders for manufactured goods uh, uh, came out from the U.S. Department of Commerce and their full report on manufacturers, uh, uh, shipments, uh, inventories, and orders for December. 
and the orders increased 1.8%, uh, which sounds good, uh, but that follows a 1.9% decrease in November. And if you take a look at where the orders came from, uh, the new orders for durable goods, durable manufactured goods, uh, they increased 5.6%, and that was primarily due to the uh, $15.6 billion uh, increase in uh, uh, orders for aircraft, civilian aircraft. Uh, then the uh, non-durable manufactured goods, that decreased about uh, close to 2%. So all, overall, the factory orders uh, were good on the surface, but it's uh, if you took away the aircraft orders, uh, they weren't good. So, and uh, that was for December's numbers, and that came out from the Department of Commerce. Now, the Institute of Supply Management, there's two groups that take a look at the uh, manufacturing sector and the service sectors, and uh, uh, they're a qualitative uh, assessment of what's going on in those particular sectors. And by qualitative, I mean they don't get down to the nuts and, and bolts of uh, uh, exactly how many people are moving and things of this nature and how much money is moving. They get There's more of a qualitative survey of managers in uh, those uh, manufacturing how uh, hundreds of man manufacturers, uh, executives are asked uh, questions about how this month compared to last month. Uh, was it better, the same, worse? And it covers different topics like um, orders, uh, you know, production, uh, shipping, uh, prices paid for. Uh, products, prices re uh, received for products, employment, whether they're adding people or, or, uh, or staying uh, constant or uh, decreasing people. And uh, so what they do in the case of the Institute of Supply Management, and they also do it for the, uh, uh, for the, uh, the U.S. Or Standard and Poor Global they put out their interpretation of how the, the uh, manufacturing sector is doing. And basically, in, in a, a score of 50 is a, is a score that uh, uh, that means it's neutral. Anything above 50 indicates it's just expanding. Anything less than 50 indicates it's contracting. And basically, what they're showing is that... Uh, uh, U.S. manufacturing activity remained in the contraction territory in January, and uncertainty about economic growth and the efforts of uh, higher borrowing costs is slowing things down. And uh, and that's the second month that it's been in contraction. Uh, that was December and November and December, and that's after thirty months thirty months of expansion. So you can watch the uh, the numbers go down, down, down until they get the, you know, they were, they might have been 60. Uh, the score might have been 60 a year ago. Well, they're not right down. They're down to 47. They crossed into the contraction area. So, and what are the people saying? Well, 
like the chemical products, as I'd say, conditions are reasonable, sales are a little bit better than planned, cost pressures are easing for most products. There have been a, a lot fewer supply disruptions so far this year and few expected in the short term. So the crystal ball remains a little blurry for the rest of 2023. That would have been made by a an, uh, an executive in the uh, chemistry products uh, group. So uh, what happens is that they assess it and they say, hey, uh, for the last two months, November, December, uh, the, uh, uh, no, that's not November, December. This is for uh, January. Uh, for Jan- December and January, the uh, manufacturing is uh, starting to tilt downward. And then the SP Global, uh, they also make their assessment of it. And uh, I'll give you a summary of that. We'll get into both of these reports later in the show and get you any details. But uh, according to them, further solid declines in manufacturing performance at the start of the year. So the health of the U.S. manufacturing sector continued to decline at the start of uh, 2023. And uh, the overall downturn in January was driven by a sharp contraction in new orders, a further drop in output, and ongoing ongoing efforts to reduce inventories. So not 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 a terrible picture, but not a great picture either. And then in the service industries, the Institute of Supply Management uh, said that the service industry stopped uh, contracting uh, and started to grow again. And uh, uh, basically what they're saying in there is that the, the, uh, the business survey committee Respondents indicated that capacity and logistics performance continues to improve, although responses vary by industry and company. The majority of the panelists indicated that the business is trending in a positive direction. Unemployment employment was unchanged for the month, and uh, and what uh, give you an idea what some people are saying. Demand for services remained high, yet we continue to satisfy demand despite continuing supply chain disruptions that came from the healthcare and and social assistance groups. And they got a whole list of things in there. And also, if you take a look at how SD Global, the alternate uh, group, uh, how they regard uh, the service sector. Uh, here's a January data signal of a solid contraction in business activity across the U.S. service sector at the start of 2023. According to the latest data, uh, although easing the fall in output stems from further weak domestic and external demand conditions as new business and new export orders declined. Um, not a happy little picture, but uh, uh, an assessment of what's going on in the service industries, and it comes out every month. 
And according to uh, uh, the survey of consumer sentiment from the University of Michigan, we we look at that in terms of how does the consumer feel, and the consumer feels in February that uh, uh, his sentiment is improving, particularly in the current economic conditions, and uh, he basically feels that combined with concerns over rising unemployment on the horizon, uh, consumers are poised to exercise greater caution with their spending in the months ahead. So basically, that's that's basically what you're seeing. People people do realize that uh, uh, we have the inflation fight, and the inflation fight is not uh, it's going well so far. But there's a long way to go to get down from six and a half uh, to uh, uh, two or three percent, and uh, uh, people are anticipating that along the way. Uh, we might run into a recession if the if the economy doesn't respond to these uh, price uh, into these interest rates that uh, the Federal Reserve has uh, penciled in so far, then the, the pencil will come out again and it'll go higher. There's some talk about the interest rates going up to six percent, but that's a that's a not the not the uh, most general or the most, that's not a majority uh, uh, position so far. So everybody is uh, uh, watching and waiting and saying, okay, and this is true for uh, companies too. I mean, most of the companies uh, do have a recession plan. In other words, uh, they realize that if a recession happens and the orders are going to go down uh, and they better be uh, that's the revenues, and that they better be prepared to cut their costs or their expenses in order to protect their earnings. So you're going to see a, uh, a fast-moving uh, plan in most companies in terms of cutting the expenses if we do get into a recession. So, and, and you know, when we talk about the, the big picture, uh, how does that affect our picture? And one of the ways it affects our picture is we have our plans and what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And just like I said before, uh, we look at the big picture to to tell us what is going to happen and give us some input into what's going to happen in our financial plan, our personal financial plan. Although the big economy doesn't dictate everything that's going to happen, we have a lot more control over our, our our personal financial plan than we have over the economy. And uh, but uh, one thing we see now is the economy is battling inflation, and you see it everywhere. And the cost of things we buy, we all hope that the Federal Reserve plan of basically slowing inflation by raising the interest rates. We all hope that it works. Uh, but if inflation doesn't cooperate, then we know that the uh, if if you're standing or if you think you're standing on the brakes and you're not slowing down, well, there's another you could really stand on the brakes and get this engine to slow down. And uh, the interest rates, uh, wherever they're at right now, will have to get higher enough to cause a recession. 
So we should be should should be prudent and prepare for recession, just like most companies, large and small, they draw up their plan for a recession. And just like us, the first thing you have to know is that a recession is a normal part of an economic cycle. Since uh, World War II, we've experienced a recession about every five years, and the average length is about uh, a little under a year. Uh, recessions can cause rising unemployment, declines in stock values and other assets, and shrinking wages. So things you have to do, and we all have to do, is make ourselves invaluable at work. Uh, this concept of working at home might be a detriment if they're trying to figure out who they're going to let go. Uh, probably the harshest result of recession is that people lose their jobs and have even a harder time finding a new one. So if you work for home or just uh, fit in at work, just make yourself known. Uh, it's easier to lay off a person who's just a name that, that than someone that you actually recognize. So and then start to research new job opportunities and consider whether you need additional training and education to be competitive. Also, what you have to do is pay off uh, expensive debt as soon as you possibly can. Get off those credit cards. They're, they're charging an arm and a leg. And uh, also save as much as you can. It's always good to build up that emergency fund. The bigger, the better when you know that there could be uh, a use for it right around the quarter. And also, what you do is stay invested, stay diversified. It's easy to get spooked by falling stock market prices. The key is to maintain a, a long-term perspective. And, uh, and you also have to make contingency plans. Plan A, plan B, plan C. Hopefully, you won't have to do, do anything, but you can think about uh, anything else you could do if needed, just in case. There's no question a recession can lead to financial hardship, but if it happens, we try to be prepared. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Low. Uh, you can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. That's one 281 Stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you who have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim Magalise.
Welcome back to Get Rich Flow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. Uh, you can give us a call. The toll-free number is 1-888-281-1110. Uh, let's go to the phone. We've got uh, Jerry on the line. Hi, Jerry. How you doing? Hey, good morning. I saw Doug Sattel, S-I-T-T-E-L, on Google, and the YouTube uploads the picture of a hand over a glass cap. That was a commercial. <laughs> okay, so be it. Uh, you know, we, we're talking about uh, how you're going to handle your financial plan and how you're going to get to the other side. And this all this stuff about the inflation, well, that's that's part of the financial plan and how, the things that we have to do uh, to get past this. Uh, who knows? It might get uh, uh, worse in terms of saying... Uh, we do really get into a recession. Uh, hopefully, you know the, the recession. But the uh, it's not the quote. quote the, I don't think it's the majority uh, position of a lot of your uh, financial people. The, the the feeling is we could get to where we want to go in terms of inflation without a recession. But there's a lot of moving parts in, in the Federal Reserve and. The companies and every you know, us we're we're basically not in control of everything. There's the uh, the coming uh, um, revival of China. There they're they're going through their COVID uh, uh, processing right now. The other thing is the uh, war in uh, uh, Ukraine with uh, Russia and. Uh, uh, all these things could uh, could add other things that make our plans more difficult. So the idea is to uh, be prepared as best we can. So uh, we talked before about the, the factory orders, and let me let me get into a little bit about the factory orders uh, that came out from the Department of uh, Commerce in the manufacturer shipments and inventories and orders for December. And uh, basically, what you're seeing is that the orders for uh, durable goods, orders for durable goods increased uh, $15.2 billion in December, or 5.6% to uh, $286.6 billion. And transportation equipment led the way with an increase of... uh, Fifteen point six billion dollars, and that was basically the uh, <clears throat> Boeing basically doubled their aircraft orders at the end of the year. I, mean, I think it was United that ordered the, the, the aircraft uh, orders didn't really come in big slugs uh, because the uh, airlines uh, want to get the best price they can get, and that's the and uh, dealing with a large order gives them more leverage with regard to uh, Boeing. And I think Boeing is is uh, basically hiring another 10,000 workers uh, to uh, help get these orders through. So uh, now new orders for non-durable goods 
uh, decreased uh, 5.2 billion or 1.9 percent to 265.9, and the uh, uh, basically uh, so total machinery orders, which are the, basically the heart of the capital goods group, that fell 1.7 percent for the month, following a six tenths of a percent decline uh, in November. Uh, Okay, let's go to the phones again. Hello, this is Jim McAleese. Can I help you? Hello, Hello Jim. Jenny. This is this is Jenny calling from Illyria. Your your station advertises precious metals. I want you to know your opinion about it. Uh, to, to me, uh, I'm not a big believer in precious metals. I think it it may form a part of your portfolio. I mean, a small part of your portfolio, let's say 5% or somewhere in that order. Uh, okay. It, it, it's the precious metals, in my mind, fall in, in line with inflation. In other words, if inflation is picking up, that means the value of your paper money is going down. And if it looks as if inflation is uh, going up like it did in the 70s, the uh, 1970 through 1980, mm-hmm. where it got up to 15%. Then you mm-hmm. take a look at hard goods, and, and precious metals are, are gold and silver or hard goods. Uh, you could also take a look at uh, land, too. That's, in other words, that's another hard good, too. So uh, if you're looking at inflation and degrading the value of your money, and you're feeling that it's going to get out of control, then I would put more and more emphasis on the hard goods like gold, silver, and land. Uh, I don't think we're in that position right now. I think we're in a position where uh, inflation got a jump on it. You know, like in the 70s, it got up to uh, close to 14%. Here we are uh, right now at 6%, hopefully going down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I think they're going to cure inflation. So I'm not a, uh, you know, as a diversification tool, maybe 5% or something like that, sure. But not as a major part of your portfolio. Okay? Thank you for thank you so much for your help. Okay. Thank you very much. You have a wonderful have a, weekend. Have a, have a good week, too. Bye-bye. This is Jim McAleese. You can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's one eight 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 two eight one eleven ten. Uh one of the things that uh, uh we talked about in terms of uh, consumer sentiment to get an idea of uh, how do people feel? Uh how they feel happy or giddish or you know, it gives us an idea of whether they are confident enough to make large purchases such as homes and cars and such and so forth. And the latest results come out from the uh, University of Michigan. It basically shows that uh, we're still in the doldrums as far as uh, consumer sentiment. We're still concerned about uh, job losses, a recession. We're still concerned about inflation. We're not keeping up with inflation. and they they run this survey every month, and I'll give you an idea of, of what they're seeing. 
quote, uh, consumer sentiment was essentially unchanged uh, at 1.5 index points above January. Recent developments in the economy, both positive and negative, have led to a mixed attitude among consumers with a little net change in February. After three consecutive months of increasing, uh, consumer sentiment is now 6% above a year ago, but still 14% uh, below two years ago prior to the current uh, uh, inflationary episode. Uh, overall, high prices continue to weigh on consumers Despite the recent uh, moderation of inflation and sentiment remains more than 22% below its uh, historical average since uh, 1978. Combined with concerns over rising unemployment on the horizon, consumers are poised to exercise uh, greater caution uh, with their spending in the, in basically in the months ahead. So, uh, you know, the, 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 I'll just jump to the end of it. In contrast, uncertainty about long-run inflation receded in, receded in recent months, although the uncertainty stands well above averages over the last 20 years. So basically, when they talk to people and say, how do you uh, feel relative to how you felt last month and how do you feel about your specific instance and your specific environment? And then how do you feel about your, what you see on your future environment? Uh, people are still in the doldrums. Uh, they're, they're way down um, uh, below than they were uh, two years ago. So uh, perhaps as the inflation comes down and, and people get more trust and confidence in where we're going here, uh, I'm sure that'll improve. And of course, the, uh, the opposite will be true, too. If we go into a recession, uh, things will get even worse. Uh, let's go to the phones again. Hello, this is Jim McAleese. Can I help you? Yeah, Hello, this Richard. is Richard. Hello? Hello, this is Jim McAleese. Can I help you? Yes. Uh, well, the reason that the Fed is raising interest rates is because of inflation. But, of course, why do we have inflation? Because, I mean, I'm a Republican. I never vote for Democrats, but both Republicans and Democrats are way overspending. If we had a budget, there wouldn't be this Well, part I'm agreeing with part of what you're saying, but uh, if we look back on you know recent history, and by recent history I mean uh, COVID. You know, COVID hit in February of 2020, and basically yeah. what you saw there was that the government, uh, uh, the economy shut down. And basically, the government had to step in and get the economy rolling again. And basically, what we got, we poured $6 trillion from the federal government into the economy. And we also poured another $2 trillion from the Federal Reserve. So we got $8 trillion. And 
that's basically uh, the cause of what we're into right now. It's like the house was on fire, and we we threw every bit of water we could on it. We saved the house, but now we've got a mess, and we've got to clean up this mess. And this mess is basically uh, uh, we threw money on, on, on the into the economy. The economy came back, and now we got inflation, and we have to get this inflation or this mess under control. And once we do that, then it will be uh, back to normal again. But I do agree. That well, well, I I, I hope you're you're right about that. so. I, that's a good point in all the things that you said. But uh, so it isn't only they're overspending, but their overspending is certainly part of it. So, so uh, they have to get they have to get things under control. This this idea of having thirty one point four trillion dollars of national debt that that translates into about ninety four thousand dollars for every man woman and child in the united states they bailed out people and they didn't need to because then they didn't come to work well they when you're in the middle of a when you're in the middle but yeah but you you've, you've made i'm sure you've made big decisions in your life before too when you're in the middle of this crisis, how much is enough? You know, is, is it what is enough? Uh, you don't know in the middle of a crisis. Well, so nobody you knows. Yes, you're right. Nobody right. knows. So, so they overdid it, oh. and now we gotta we gotta get back to uh, some sort of a budget here because we can't be running uh, deficits. We gotta be paying off debts and, and getting our budgets in line. Uh, you know, there's no, well, look what they've done. About. They've doubled the debt in just a few years. The debt of the United States. Yeah, but that wasn't that wasn't uh, uh, uncalled for, so to speak. In other words, it was a crisis, and, and uh, uh, the crisis had to be addressed, and it was addressed. And, and as far as I'm concerned, we're on the other side of the crisis now, and what we got to do is uh, get back to. And normal, you got so much money coming in the door. The government, the government has so much money coming in the door, and uh, it has all sorts of projections about whether that those monies are going up or down. Like, uh, like uh, this well, year. Well, very I'm good sure. explanation. Very good explanation. But I'm an expert on foreign policy. I went to two international schools. And uh, the Chinese released the virus, the Chinese military, on purpose to ruin Trump's booming economy, and then that's what causes us all the problem. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much for calling. I have my own uh, suspicions and doubts about the the virus. uh, They've never really uh, gone into for whatever reason, got into them enough to uh, see whether this was an experiment in germ warfare or what the hell it was. So let's get back to what we were talking about before, and that is the uh, how's the how is our economy doing right now? And basically, our economy is uh, fighting inflation, and uh, what we're seeing on the supply side and, and the manufacturing side as well as the service side is that we're kind of teetering on the edge of 
uh, one month will be uh, expanding, next month will be contracting. So it's not like we've got we're home free. Uh, the uh, <clears throat> the Institute of Supply Management, uh, or uh, give you an idea what SP SP Global uh, thinks of our manufacturing uh, sector. Uh, their comment from their uh, Chris Williamson, who's their chief business economist, it goes like this. Despite rising in January, the purchasing managers index remained at one of the lowest levels recorded since the global financial crisis, indicating a worrying steep rate of decline in the health of the goods producing sector. Production has now fallen for three consecutive months, signaling a sharp fall in output, which is now becoming increasingly evident in the official statistics and suggesting that the manufacturing sector has become a major drag on the gross domestic product. New orders are also slumping as demand for both domestic and export customers come under increased pressure from a mix of inflation and slower economic growth. The drop in orders also means that excess capacity is developing, which has in turn meant companies have scaled back on their hiring and purchasing and are also increasingly focusing on reducing their inventory levels. So you've got two <clears throat> assessments of the uh, manufacturing industry. The service industry is <clears throat> in a similar uh, similar position in SP uh, Global's position with regard to the <clears throat> U.S. service Purchasing managers index is that business activity contraction eases at the start of 2023, but cost pressures uh, strengthening one more, once more. <clears throat> Excuse me, just a second. I need, a, <laughs> need something for my throat there. <clears throat> now, again, their economists for uh, S&P Global regarding the service sector says business activity in the vast U.S. service economy contracted in January as companies reported a further deterioration in new business inflows. Hiring has almost ground to a halt as firms reassess their payroll needs in light of a weaker demand environment. The downturn is being led by a slump in Financial services activities linked in turn to higher borrowing costs with consumer facing service providers and also reporting especially tough business conditions amid the ongoing squeeze in spending due to the rising cost of living. So uh, both of those, just about everybody that's taking the, the pulse of the economy says that, you know, both the uh, manufacturing, it's going from uh, expansion to contraction. The service industries are expanding one month, contracting the next month. Uh, it's basically on the on the borderline uh, as, opposed to, as opposed to, let's say, a year ago when uh, 
both as, both as manufacturing sectors as well as the service sectors were going gung-ho. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Stay tuned. I'll be right back. You're the getaway car You're the line in the sand When I go too far You're the swimming pool On an August day And you're the perfect thing to say And you play it coy But it's kind of cute Oh, when you're smiling me you know Welcome back to Get Rich Flow This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese Well, if we go take a look at what's inside this, uh uh, the Institute of Supply Management uh, uh, interpretation of the service sector. I'll uh, give you some comments on the executives. Executives, they, they give you their assessment of is this month is this month better or worse than last month uh, in terms of wages, employment, uh, uh, prices, prices paid, prices. Uh, uh, given uh, things of this nature. And some of their comments are uh, uh, accommodations and food services, raw material availability and lead times have improved but still pose a challenge in our outlook. We are positive about growth. <clears throat> Consumer confidence is returning and, pe- and people are more willing to spend money on luxury items. That's according to accommodations and food services. Uh, uh, order, here's from other services. Orders are strong, but it's difficult to support customers' expectations on delivery due, due to challenges in the supply chain. Another one is uh, uh, real estate and rental. Uh, quote, we're still experiencing delivery delays but future, but fewer than in the past two years. Hopefully, lead times will will return close to pre-COVID uh, levels. Uh, and what you're seeing is that uh, uh, what you're seeing in the uh, business activity is the business activity is growing at a faster pace. What you're seeing in new orders. Our new orders are growing uh, in January versus contracting the previous month. Employment is unchanged. Uh, Supplier deliveries are unchanged. Uh, Prices are increasing at a a slower pace. Uh, Backlog of orders. uh, Backlog of orders is growing faster, which is always a good, good thing for employment. New export orders are basically growing from uh, contracting. So <clears throat> give you some some details with regard to their assessments in terms of what they think is happening in the service industry. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Low. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. What day is Tuesday? 
Tuesday is Valentine's Day. If you forgot, then you better get moving. There is still time for you to prepare a special gift for your sweetheart. The gift doesn't have to be expensive. It just has to say that you love them. And, and this includes Valentine's who've been together for a long, long time. Who is your Valentine? Your sweetheart. A sweetheart is someone you can write a book about. The one that you love to be with and you hate to be without. A sweetheart understands your moods and laughs at things you say or sees you when you're at your worst but loves you anyway. A sweetheart is a knowing look, a hand within your own, a voice you always want to hear when you pick up the phone. A sweetheart is the one you kiss and make up with again when there's little differences of opinion now and then. A sweetheart is that someone that you're always thinking of and the very special reason why you know that you're in love. So you plan your Valentine's Day and make it special. And until, uh, until, until we meet again, for more of Get Rich Slow, uh, remember to remember to be special to your special Valentine this week. And until we meet again next week, may God protect you and keep you safe. Share some time. I feel so happy each time you call. I feel so fun. so You've been listening to Get Rich Slow with Jim McAleese of Cornerstone Consultants, Inc., located at 47149 Bursley Road, Wellington, Ohio, 44090, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. The materials Jim shares is not intended as an offer or solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security or other financial instrument. Past performance does not guarantee future performance. All the views expressed are those of James McAleese and Cornerstone's Consultants, Inc., and not those of Next Financial Group, Inc. Next Financial Group does not provide tax advice. The S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index composed of the common stocks of 500 leading companies and leading industries of the U.S. economy. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price-weighted index of 30 actively traded blue-chip stocks. To make an appointment with Jim regarding your own finances, call 440-647-2793. That number again, 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners.